Hey guys, here's episode number three of the weekly roundup, catching you up on the headlines, results, and rankings for the professional and college squash game. Covered this week, ESPN shares an update about the legal battle involving Brown University and their decision to remove sports from the varsity status. The World University Games just wrapped up and Mustafa Asal took home the hardware. But the bigger question, what are the World University Games? The PSA action wraps up in tremendous fashion with a fantastic event and the power squash couple Muhammad El Shabagi and Joel King taking home the hardware. Next, we switch back to the United States with a women's 20K wrapping up in Providence, Rhode Island. That showcased some of the best current and alums of college squash. For the college squash section, we shared the big matchups from this past weekend. Don't forget to send in your fan questions and comments and we uh, might read them on the air. As always, thanks for listening. What about this? This call is being recorded. Fans, we are back for another edition of The Roundup, catching up on the weekly headlines, results from the professional tour and college squash. We are looking at the second week of November, and I'm going to welcome my co-host, Bill Buckingham. Hey, Bill. Hey, Connor. Happy Sunday. Nice to see you again. A tradition like any other on a Sunday. I know, I know. I'm excited to yeah. keep it going. That's awesome. I actually sent you, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but a, a version of this, I uh, it was a sampler I did from 2017. I, so. I did see it, actually. It was You read you read the results and whatnot. It was actually pretty good. It, was, uh, it, it wasn't bad. It was, it was a little more uh, deadpan and trying to catch you up in five minutes. So right. here we're trying to add some color. A little, a little, right? a little levity, a little color, exactly. But yet, yeah. yet, we know that people are here and they just want a quick rundown. So we, uh, you know... Not, We're going to get into not it. as much extraneous information as we have give, given in the past. Uh, the first article I'm going to bring up, which you you didn't want to talk about, which is fine, but um, this is to do with the case against Brown University and the students where um, certain varsity sports were kicked out. Squash was one of them, and a group of students were actually going against um, the university trying to get this to a case. And the judge just ordered that Brown had to pay over a million dollars in legal fees to the teams that were going against it. So I thought that was a big deal. Bill did not because it wasn't squash related. But uh, well, it was squash related, but squash hasn't been reinstated. I don't believe. Um, uh, yeah. As far as as far as I know, as a women's sport, there. So I don't. I, that's why I didn't think it was squash related. But now, now that you're saying it, now I, I I think probably the teams are probably pumped that they got some money back and they uh, get some of their legal fees defrayed. I think it just shows that. Um, Thankfully, some of the sports where they did cut the some of the universities that they cut the squash programs, they got reinstated, which was good. Yeah. You know, at Dickinson and um, Stanford, but at least this shows that we all agreed that the school didn't handle this well, and they're really been paying the price for it in more ways than one. I mean, right now there's just the, the reputational damage, but then also like here, they're they're going to pay more in legal fees to handle all this than just keeping the sports going and getting the the alumni behind it so right anyway i thought it was a good mile marker even though squash didn't personally win i thought it was a good victory for uh sports if we could if we could have uh, mustafa Assal do something controversial every week that would be very helpful because you know we're digging deep when we're that that's one of our top news stories we're really we're really really we're really in trouble either that or have like neil gorsuch like you know make some comment about squash yeah beans. just something because i looked there was there, there is not obviously a lot of tournaments going on but a lot of not a, yeah. not a lot of outside the uh Outside the squash world, um, outside the court news going on, um, Kevin Klipstein of uh, U.S. Squash sent out a sportsmanship reminder, um, which strangely— Was this triggered by anything, I don't, you think? I don't know. The, the interesting thing was it seemed like they get a lot of play on the uh, on the um, squash boards and on the Facebook groups and on, on, on a bunch of squash websites that I watched, like, almost like it was new. It's, it's pretty much the same thing that, you know, it's pretty basic. I mean, 
it's basically mm-hmm. talking about um, you know parents acting properly and uh, coaches acting properly at tournaments. So it, it it was almost like some of these people were like, oh my god, this is so important and this is such such a big thing to say. I was like, well, we've been saying it every every year for uh, for years now. So um, it's it's not earth shattering by any means. So it was interesting. Obviously, the message was strong, but just to me, the more the reaction to the message of like, wow, this is incredible that they would say that. I was like, well, yeah, well, been saying it for you know. 15 years now so we're digging deep it's a good point um yeah no i thought it was a good message and i think you it needs to be reinforced um often so so the problem is though with with messages like that the people who it's most supposed to reach (laughs) don't read it and don't take it to heart i mean the the (laughs) folks who who behave well and and coach and you know do the right right thing coaching they're, they're the ones who read it and applaud it and then the the crazy people who who (laughs) <laughs> who don't follow the rules to start with who the um, message is about in the first place number one probably don't read it and number two definitely don't uh, take it to heart so that's 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 really the overall arching issue still still a good article still a good message uh, it's still good a good message, message. Yes. so yeah. please mustafa Sal, do something controversial <laughs> this week please i don't care what it is I don't care what it is. Just do it. Maybe maybe he'll have one of those fake Twitter accounts. Like you see those fake Twitter accounts that are coming out. Like and all these famous people are like saying like mm-hmm. people are just like making up the Twitter accounts and just saying like the most outrageous things on them. Right, right, so, right. The impersonation. Yeah. Ones, yeah. So I want to. Are you gonna? Are you gonna get in the game? I, I, I might. You know what I'm gonna do? I think I'm gonna make an account and be Rob Owen and say something. Say something totally outrageous. Like, hey, if Paul Call plays at his best, he's gonna be. Uh, he's unbeatable. Something like totally I, ridiculous like that. I think you could start laying the groundwork that uh, Rob Owen might be responsible for squash getting in the Olympics, Ooh, but you start it now. Yes, that would be really you good. You got to start it now. Oh, that would be really good. That would be good. Right? Just tweeting, like, just had another great conversation. <laughs> with Jacques. Is Jacques is, yeah, is the guy Jacques which I from can't, the OC. I can't really talk about it, but. Yeah, I'm not officially allowed to talk about it, but <laughs> here's what happens. Let's do it. I'm in. I'm in. Elon, Elon, yeah. keep Twitter alive till at least the Olympic bids come out. So uh, let's talk about uh, what's happening on the court, Connor. Um, so just quickly, and uh, we'll only touch on this because it's it's such a mysterious event. We'll touch on it briefly. Is the the World University Championships uh, that just took place over in Cairo, um, <laughs> featuring uh, Sana Ibrahim, who, who won the women's event, um, and Mustafa Sal. Speaking of Mustafa Sal, won the uh, won the men's event. So uh, a bit of a mystery what this what this event is. Um, I tried to look into it and you know get some details on it there was not a lot for for a tournament in which you are supposedly representing your university no one wore university uniforms and mustafa saw wore the same uniform he wears when he plays on the psa tour so but just because you know i i I can't just spot off the top of my head i have to uh do a little bit of research um well i'll let you guess tell me what who was mustafa saw representing uh during this tournament like which school yeah so World um, University Games, you wouldn't you think that that would be the big deal? Like, oh, Mustafa right, Sall right. won. Who, who won? Yeah, yeah. Instead of Egypt won and Ka- France won, and I mean the school. Cairo won. University Online. <laughs> the DeVry De University at Alexandria. <laughs> no, but you're close. You're close. It's it's yeah. actually a pretty cool name. Um, it is called the Arab Academy for Science, Technology, and Maritime Transportation. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, um, or or as they're known as AASTMT. <laughs> go 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 an easy one to remember go the fighting the, the fighting maritimes or whatever you want to be called <laughs> well uh a lot of them do actually pursue get a lot of college degrees a lot uh, of the, the top egyptians uh, like nor nor and go sure she, she and um, i am not saying they're i'm not saying they're not i'm just saying these these world university games which you're supposed to be renting right. your university it seems like the, the universities aren't getting as much uh as much play as they they may they sure. should so but 
I think like four of the top six players um, in the in, in the um, in the draws between the men and the women played for AA AA STMT. So just a hey, Harvard lookout. Just saying, Harvard lookout. Um, they're they're coming at you. So but that so that was just a, um, kind of like a sidelight um, uh, for for the uh, the main event of the week, which was the New Zealand Open. Uh, so New Zealand uh, got a PSA a men's and women's uh, silver event, I believe it was. Um, uh, played and uh i tell you what i watched a ton of it online um which which it wasn't easy to do based on the time zone changes and all but crowds looked incredible there i mean p- packed houses it looked like at least from the quarters on so in a lot of atmosphere there it was like the opposite of the um <laughs> the exhibition uh that happened the week before um and so in the end it looked like that exhibition um kind of you know, shut my mouth and maybe did the right thing and got people revved up to for the real thing. And uh, the, the real thing turned out to be a great event in New Zealand. So really good. Uh, did you catch any of it? Yeah, I watched some of it. I, I um, And it's also great that Squash TV is doing more behind the scenes content. So did, did you see the one about the... Um the MC guy or the the, the announcer? Oh, I was wondering I how he's, jealous. Oh, way jealous. He's really good and like he's, he's, he's so he's good. He's getting so right? much love online. It's uh, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I yeah yeah. So yeah, the, the, the only yeah. good thing is he's in New Zealand, so it's not like right. they're gonna fly him like to other events, right? He's he's a New Zealand guy. Well, I think he also has. He's like, well, I do this for Sky Sports New Zealand. <laughs> so, exactly. So you don't think he's going to be doing like the Rhode Island Open or anything? You don't think I have competition I, or anything like that? Yeah. So I think geography is certainly on your side, Bill. Yes, I hear. And as well as like, you know, he has a kind of a main gig. Right. So well, there was also during during the um, the early rounds, uh, the interviews on court, they were having like random people do it. Like we saw Chris Gordon do it once, actually. I think. Um, mm-hmm. and, but um, a guy named Stuart Davenport, who I don't really know who he is. I know he's on the um, on uh, Squash Stories um, message board, he's, he's commenting. Him and Jamie Maddox seem to be good friends. He interviewed um, Nayla Gilly when she won Gillis. Gillis when she won her her can, her her quarter her quarterfinal match. Uh, and he basically can I give the quote? Yeah, go ahead. This is it was great. It was awesome. I mean, it was it, it was really funny. It's a year one marriage certificate away for representing <laughs> New Zealand. So how much is that gonna? What's the possibility of that happening? That was awesome. Talk about, and she took it well. She like laughed and everything, and the crowd got a big kick out of it. Um, it was really funny. So I give, she, I give well, him credit. She, she responded, you know, well, I think you're gonna have to ask Paul about that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think that interview kind of fit the atmosphere of the whole tournament. It seemed like a very fun, fun atmosphere, a good crowd, and in the end, hey, you got Paul Call to the final, and you know, let's get into the results. I mean, Mohammed Al Sharbagi. I, I, I kind of had the conspiracy theory that Paul Call kind of let Mohamed Al-Shabagi win last week in the team event because he didn't want to, number number one, push, push himself, yeah. and number two, kind of knowing based on the seating and who was in the draw that they were going to face each other in the final here and maybe didn't want to give away his secrets or just, you know, just give 100% and, and not and not leave uh, anything left for this week when it, when it really counts. But sure right. enough, I mean... I mean, Sherbagi put in some time on court, and Call did really did not put a lot of time on court leading up to the finals. And Sherbagi, God bless him, man, he he beat him pretty handily. It was a great match. It was a lot closer than the score indicated. Call took took the first game, but I mean, for Sherbagi, he's like it's like a renaissance. Like PJ talked about in our podcast, like um, he's having a renaissance. Yeah, completely agree. He was uh, on form. I I thought with the with Paul losing the first game, I thought that was going to give him extra momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, really kind of like take it to him but then Muhammad just came back and hammered him 
Yeah, um, yeah and, and, and w- in winning, Muhammad won and won his 500th match on the PSA Tour, basically joining only uh, Gaultier and Matthew in the 500 club. So uh, Gaultier is pr- pretty good. Ahead of, I think he's got 590, 585 or something like that. And um, um, Matthew's like 520, 518, 517 or something. And uh, actually, let me look it up. Yeah, 587, 518 to 500. But, I mean, Gaultier, Gaultier kind of padded his stats when he was playing like the uh, – the JCT events, basically the the J, JCT France events, uh, a couple years ago, uh, to try to get his ranking back up, uh, so he could qualify for bigger events. So we don't, we might not want to count those like twenty or so wins that he put it put there against like ranked four hundredth players. But but either way, yeah. uh, Sherbagi reaching five hundred is pretty incredible, and he's got a lot left in the tank. So don't be surprised if he uh, eventually becomes the the, the top of the, uh, gets to the top of that list. Yeah. Uh, on the men's side, quickly, uh, a nice little shout-out to Team USA that had really healthy representation here. We have got, uh, uh, on the men's side, we have four players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Andrew Douglas. And, uh, and Andrew, I was going to say, Andrew, Delic, Andrew Douglas getting to the quarterfinals with rematch. Re- re- Victor. Yeah, with with Victor. Uh, a rematch of the uh, the CSA uh, 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 championship, the, uh, the, the tilt that decided uh, the CSA team championship last year. So yeah. um, the, the match of the tournament uh, uh, was um, so, uh, and I, I, I'm afraid I'm going to butcher his name, Dave Belligeron, Belligeron, he's a Canadian guy. He played in the team event the week before and had, had some great results in the team event. And now he had a great tournament, and in, uh, including upsetting uh, um, Miguel Angel Rodriguez um, in 63 minutes. The, the, the scoreline, I, I went back and watched a, a bit of the match on replay because I didn't see it live, but the scoreline was incredible. 16-14, 12-10, 16-14 in, uh, in 63 minutes. So um, good results for him, kind of putting himself on the map. We haven't had a Canadian player um, really get to the you know the top ranks of the PSA Tour since um, Shahir Razik, I guess, right, would be the last one. Um, that I could think that I could think of, anyways, on the men's side. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously Jonathan Power and things like that back in the Jonathan day. Jonathan Power. There's Graham Riding. Yeah, but yes, Shahir was the one, the only he was the top ranked Re- yeah. recently. Yeah, so good. So good. I mean, David. I mean, good, good. Nice run by him. But so on the women's side, it turned out to be a, the fairy tale that everyone wanted. Uh, Joel King um, uh, winning, beating uh, beating her best friend on the tour. Her and uh, Tesney Evans. They roomed together on on the road. They're well known to be really good friends and um they uh they they made both made it to the final tesney's first final i believe um in th- since she got hurt um at the TOC, yeah i think first psa final in three years which good for her for coming back i remember she was she was on quite a roll had made it to the yeah. semis of the u.s open and then at the toc that year um it was probably 2019 um uh uh, she, in a match against Olivia Klein, got hurt, and she was his, she's never quite been the same since. But it looks like uh, she is on the rebound and, and made it to made it to the finals where she met King. Um, and, and King was kind of destined to win this, and I think it's great that a New Zealander won this event. Uh, uh, you know, seeing that it's one of the first events on New, Z- New Zealand soil in years and years. So, I mean, that was part of the motivation behind uh, Squash New Zealand trying to get these events up and running. They purchased the the court. Uh, mm-hmm. It was actually you may remember it's a U.S. Open court. And um, trying to also team up with Squash Australia because they're trying to get back on the map. So it really is, like you said, is a Cinderella. Well, not a Cinderella story, a sweetheart story. Yeah, with, um, definitely a sweetheart story. Um, and, and you know, maybe uh, maybe uh, Nayla will be uh, be supplanter as the number one uh, New Zealand player when uh, when Paul finally does put does put a ring on it, if you will. And and speaking of that, I mean, the World Juniors just got a uh, uh, 
um, it was announced recently that they're going to Australia and then the men's world teams are going to be in New Zealand. So um, <laughs> a lot of travel. <laughs> I'm sure the people who have to go, go to those events are probably not thrilled at either one of those announcements because getting to those places is not easy to say the yeah, least. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but, but I guess good good for the – I'm not sure what deci- <laughs> who makes those decisions, but I, I imagine there's a lot of head shaking going on with looking like, oh, crap, we have to get on a plane and go to Australia and then, oh, crap, we have to go to New Zealand. So, But either way. So um, other events, um, the other a real – there was a women's 20K in um, – in Rhode Island, um, the Rhode Island Open, and um, newsworthy on the U.S. side for sure because Marina Stefanoni, the uh, former junior, uh, you know, prodigy and just just a great player. Now she's us, believe it or not. Holy cow! Talk about feeling old. She's a sophomore. I think she's a sophomore at Harvard right now. Sophomore at Harvard, yeah. <laughs> she made it to the final. Um, had to play the first round, so she didn't even get a bye. And she beat the number four seed. Uh, she beat the number eight seed, Georgia Adderley, who's a very strong player. And then in five games in the semis, she beat Lucy Beecroft in 64 minutes. So um, a great result. Um, she she did run into um, Farida Muhammad, the number one seed in the uh, in the final um, just this afternoon, and um, put up a, a great great fight. Uh, 11, lost in three, 11-6, 11 six, eleven nine, twenty eighteen. <laughs> was the was the final uh this afternoon but uh so just a, a great tournament by um by marina stefanoni and uh another shout out um and this will transition us to our next uh topic is in the semis with farida and who is a columbia student and plays plays for columbia university uh lucy beecroft uh, another semi-finalist um uh, yale alumni marina stefanoni a current harvard player and i think she pronounces her name salvenke um, I, I, I don't know that her that well. She went to Trinity. So either way, in the in the semifinals, all four either CSA alum or current CSA players. So another solid uh, showing and just showing how strong the CSA is. And um, that um, final could be a um, a preview of the uh, CSA um, individual championship final with Marina and Frida. So it was, a, yeah. it was a good event. And and pretty solid draw for 20K. Marina's a 60-ish in, in the world, mm-hmm. and, and Lucy's about 50. So. Right, right, right. Uh, oh, my gosh. Farida Muhammad, mm-hmm. she is 15. Whoa, whoa. So she is the, would she, she's definitely the highest-ranked CSA player then, right? Oh, my gosh. She, is this right? It's crazy. <laughs> well, all right. Well, trans- Wow. Yeah, exactly. So transitioning on the CSA. Um, oh, by the way, after exhaustive research last week, and I know that you wanted to know, um, I yeah. did find out Tell me. who won the uh, Ivy League scrimmages. I was chast- oh no way really yeah I was chastised by a few people saying you shouldn't be care whether they had the results or not because it is literally called the Ivy League scrimmages and I said well if they were scrimmages they wouldn't be best three out of five playing all nine players they would you know there'd be a truncated format so it's not really a scrimmage it was more an exhibition but either way um, and and this is why one of the reasons that I think they should show it is because Harvard women lost mm. when's the last time a Harvard women's team lost. Five, four years ago, yeah. five years ago. So it's a pretty seismic event when 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 they when they uh, when they lose. Obviously, uh, and, and Harvard beat Penn in the end, so that kind of kept things uh, status quo in, in that regard. But but Harvard women losing, regardless whether it's a quote unquote scrimmage or not, is a is a pretty big deal and and probably should have uh, gotten a little bit more uh, news play. And if they had scoreboards running, we they probably would have. So there you go. But I'm I'm over that. So what other feedback did you get? Well. The other feedback I got was, and this is, I can't say names that, um, and it seems to be heavily, um, uh, more, more than half. Be more, nicer to Connor. No, be nicer to Connor. No, that, I, I get that feedback every week. No, it's more that the <laughs> Ivy League coaches don't want this this thing to even happen anymore. 
but from the I, I talked to four coaches uh, personally about it and they the four coaches whose name I won't mention for fear that they will get ostracized by the Ivy League um, said definitely they hate it and they just they don't mm. want it to happen anymore so um, I, interesting the I think the parents love it so I think that's another reason and, and of course it's the Ivy League so Ivy League and tradition um, tough 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 nut to crack I think in general scrimmages are great for for any sport I know when we did when I do this in soccer even in tennis mm-hmm. it was great you know and it's not other than um, the Ivy Leagues, there really aren't opportunities for other teams, and I, I would still encourage that. So I think there should be a round robins where you can get scrimmages, mm-hmm. do uh, two out of three. Yep. It just it allows to get those first, especially for your freshmen. Yeah, for right, sure. Who are just trying to get oh, the. There's definitely. What is it like to compete? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those scrimmages should be done. They should be recorded, and it gives it a healthy indication. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it's kind of from that time when. The Ivy Leagues would only play themselves. Essentially, there was not much other competition. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So the CSA had a uh, had, had a, some big matches this week. Um, the most marquee match, the biggest marquee matchup, was um, Yale playing UVA in both men's and women's. And uh, Lin Leong's uh, men's and women's side both came away with six three wins. Um, yeah, UVA is a very tough squad, and it's even tougher when you have to travel all the way down to UVA to play them. Um, and uh, t- top of the um, one and two, one for UVA, and then number six, one for UVA. But otherwise, uh, Yale's depth looked like it was, a, based on the scores, um, looked like it was a little much for UVA's men's. And on the uh, on the women's side, also a 6-3 a six, uh, six, win. So kudos for Yale for going down there and, and taking care of business against Virginia. But not a total loss um, for Virginia. And, th- and this is where I- I'm curious, and uh, I-, I mean, I know – it, it's 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 college squash and it's uh, nobody's going to really like do any investigative journalism on this type of thing. Um, but UVA beat Columbia five uh, four. Columbia was ranked preseason number four, so obviously a very very solid squad. Um, UVA ranked number eight, also a very solid squad. So in in when you look at it without looking at the scoreboard, you're like, holy crap, what a win for UVA. But then you look at the scoreboard and you see who did not play for Columbia. And the reason she did not play is because of the tournament we just talked about was Frida Mohammed, mm. who plays number one for Columbia and chose, I'm not sure what the decision was or who makes that decision, instead of playing a rivalry match against UVA, a top-ranked team uh, for your college, which you're, you know, who you play for, <laughs> she plays number one for them. And she did not play in this event, so everybody got moved up one. And UVA uh, beat Columbia 5-4. So it's fair to say that if she was there, that would not have been the result, right? I mean, th- I mean, I guess anything yeah. could happen, but that would not have been a result. So, w- what are your thoughts, Connor, on that? Um, playing in a um, a tournament where you cannot win money because she's a college student, so she can't take money; she can only take expense money and and skip. I actually, don't know about the rule change, but yeah, well, I, I did. I checked with uh, the powers that okay. be at CSA and asked whether she was gonna whether she could take prize money or not. Um, I mean, I, I guess she could get ranking points for sure, but um, cannot mm-hmm. take prize money. Can only take expense money, um, which is calculated over the year based on how many tournaments she plays. Blah 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 blah. But what are your thoughts on not playing um, your first big weekend of college squash against a top ten team? You're a top four team, uh, obviously fighting for a national championship uh, down, you know, this season, and you, you choose to play an individual event as a pro as opposed to playing number one for your college team. It's a challenging decision, and especially when when it goes this way, the result, right? If, if they had won, it would just show how deep they are mm-hmm. and no problem, no one would have thought. Even if it was a 5-4 victory, like, great. Right. Um, I think this is part of, it's going to happen more and more as we get 
top caliber players coming into the college ranks that they're gonna have to make decisions about this and it is it is hard I think the most famous example of this is the Yasser Halabi you know best player in collegiate history Mm -hmm. would have ended the Trinity squash streak at the time Mm -hmm. and they lost four or five and this is where uh, what's his name Gustavo do you remember Detter yeah are you talking about the Trinity player the Trinity player yeah. who came back, he was down, you know, love to like eight, right. eight to. Right. Where does back, that fit in so. with the whole pro narrative, though? Yasser played a professional tournament back to back to back the weekend before. Oh, I did not know that. So that I mean, yeah. so he actually did play in the in the match, but he, he didn't have. He his, played uh, in the match, but his legs were shot because of how well he did in the professional tournament. Wow, I did not know that. And they were playing high ho nine back then too. So the the, the oh matches were much more grueling in, on the college much side for more sure. Grueling, yeah. Holy cow! No, I didn't know that. Good recall, Connor. By the way. And that's essentially what happened in the end was like Yasser was there about to close out business, mm-hmm. winning 3-0, mm-hmm. and then he didn't have the legs to go the distance. Wow. And that's what... That's, that's really an underreported version, uh, a part of that story, because I've read, um, you know, Run to the Roar, and I don't see where that's mentioned at all in that, to be honest with you, <laughs> no, which really. is, is interesting. It's first I've heard of it, actually. So, oh, really? Yeah. And like you yeah. said, typically when things like this happen, and I'm sure it happens probably more than we think, but typically you're right. It's when a team is going to have a lopsided win and they're going to end up winning 9-0 or 8-1 anyways. So that's what made this interesting, that number one, they lost, and number two, it's UVA's, no, they're number eight in the country, and uh, Columbia's number four. So you know it's a big, it's a big match. So just curious, yeah. um, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll ring Farida's um, dorm room tonight and ask her and see, see what her thoughts. Farida, thoughts. I also, so what, what I don't know is what is the, it, this needs to be a group decision is what I would say sure. for success. It's like, what does the player themselves want? How does the team feel mm-hmm. about it? What does the coach think? And really, a lot of this is gearing towards like, um, you know, where are we trying to achieve by the end of the season and achieving those goals? So you're not going to see that, how that plays out. So you can have those regardless of how you do during the regular season. You saw UPenn last year undefeated and losing. So yeah. if you're gearing it towards the final season ranking, that's what matters most. Yep, yep true. So uh, that being said, a couple other highlights. Um, UPenn beat Drexel. Uh, in the, uh, the the battle of uh, ba- battle of Market Street, could we call it? And is there? Yeah, is there cool, I think that's what cool they name, call cool it. Name for it? Battle of Market Street. I think they call it that. No, they yeah. don't do that really. No, I think they call it. The pen, uh, sure. Isn't it called the Penn Cup or the Pennsylvania Cup or something? Because like all the other teams are involved with it, and it just comes down to those. There was something about the battle of like Thirty Fourth Street or something. So there's because the, they go back and forth. But I've yeah. The battle for New Deck. We, that's a little inside <laughs> Philly joke for people who for people who don't know what we're talking about. Right, right. Uh, well, you you got to remember this for next time. You got to text our man and find out what what it's actually called. We will, we will. But uh, yeah, so the Battle of Market Street uh, was won by uh, UPenn seven uh, two. Um, some close matches, but it looks like it looked like they they won pretty handily on the women's side. Um, uh, Drexel uh, also won seven two, so uh, a reversal. So Drexel. Um, uh, beat Penn uh, uh, in in the women's, lost in the men's. Um, on the men's side, uh, back to the men's side, number one, Harvard rolls along. Um, Rochester, number 10, got beat 9-0, and the scores were not particularly close. The number, I think it was the number two match went like an hour and 15 minutes, um, but otherwise Harvard looked like they just steamrolled over Rochester. Uh, so another, <laughs> and, the beat, and the beat goes on for Harvard. Um, and uh, one one last shout-out, um, and sorry, Connor, uh, only because I told uh, um, our friend Timmy Lasusa I would shout him out here. Um, uh, Georgetown beat Denison. In, in, yeah, in I would. Five, uh, five, four. It was a close one. I was going to say uh, one of my favorite memories from college squash was the um, the, um, the Annapolis weekend. We we would go and play multiple matches, so that was always a, a, a team favorite of ours. Just Annapolis is a great um, town, and being on the campus of the Naval Academy really is is pretty special. 
nothing makes you feel wimpier faster than running around in red track suits <laughs> and then seeing all these men and women in uniform and you're like yeah maybe we do this inside right 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 uh <laughs> not go running around campus so, so are you sure it was five four by the way i think it was eight to one i well you're talking about you're talking the men's club club teams i think probably was five four right I apologize. Yes, okay. yeah, the men's. Yes, yeah. I think the yeah, the yeah. women's, which are varsity, at, which is varsity at uh, at Georgetown, is eight to one. A hundred percent. Yeah, okay. you're correct. Right. Right. So yeah. I don't want Tim like like texting, yeah. no, no, texting no. me tomorrow morning complaining about this. Yeah, so, yeah. So. You know, I keep kind of forgetting that there are uh, the distinctions like that. So coming up, so that so um uh that that's kind of the wrap up of the CSA. So coming up on the pro uh, on the pro side is the uh, they're in Singapore this coming week. So tough turnaround for a lot of those players cuz Singapore is not not an easy. I think we we went over this in our other podcast with PJ. It's like an 8-hour 9-hour flight from New Zealand New Zealand yeah. to to Singapore. So Paul Calls playing in this, Mohamed Al-Shabagi's playing in this. What's notable is who's not playing in it. Um it and that's the Egyptian women. So we have both the Singapore and the Malaysian Opens coming up back-to-back weeks, and a lot of the top players are playing, but none of the no no Gohar, no Sherbini, no Hamami uh, till Hong Kong. So give give me your thoughts on that. Is this a rest up for the women's world teams? I mean, are they what, what's the reasoning for them not participating? None of them participated in New Zealand. I think Taeb's the only one playing in these in these middle events here, and none of the big guns are playing. So it it, it also gives a back-to-back. Uh, weeks where we have the number one seed on the women's side being American. Um, this week, it's uh, Amanda Sobi is the number one seed. And then uh, the um, Malaysian Open, we got Olivia Fichter as the number one seed. So um, uh, unusual uh, and, and solid for, for but solid for uh, U.S. squash. But yeah, what's, what do you think about the, uh, the top guns of squash not participating until Hong Kong? Yeah, I mean, these are all um, pretty low prize money events. And the Egyptians just up pretty high. So they could be doing that math. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't know right now because the men's or the women's world championship is, they could turn it around. Like, I don't think it's in jeopardy of that. And you can see other teams or, or, or major players are playing in that. So, yeah, I think it might be prize money driven and also commute wise. Yeah, commute, commute I could see um, for sure. But the other player, every, you know, the, the, the men are playing, uh, you know, all the Shabagis, the Marwan's playing in uh, in Malaysia. Um, obviously, Mohammed coming off New Zealand is is in like what is today? Today's the thirteenth. He just won New Zealand. His first match, I think, is on the sixteenth. <laughs> so yeah. it's a it's a pretty quick turnaround. So just interesting to me um, that that the uh, you, you know it it and for better or worse in women's squash, it's gla- it's a little more glaring when when in the big in the um the the big events that the uh, the, the the big three don't play. So it's sure it's a, it it, it kind of changes the tournament some somewhat for the better so um you know a good good opportunity for Amanda uh, in uh, yeah in Singapore and obviously a, a great opportunity for for Olivia Fichter in in uh, in Malaysia so yeah I I mean I think it's also a sign that there's enough higher level prize money events that they don't need to participate in these yeah yeah no but right. I guess I guess that that is that is the case and then they start aiming towards um you know we you get the women's team championship and then you start uh, looking at the, the calendar the 2023 calendar so yeah so it could also be a time that they want to you know put in some hard training and get ready for the big events yep. kind of like us Connor but, that's why we haven't been doing a TBD podcast because we, we put in the training during the week so we could be ready for these recaps on on Sunday night right exactly there you go all right so that wraps it up um Good seeing you again, Connor, and uh, look forward to uh, next week uh, when we, uh, we we recap the squash world. And please, 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 I'm begging you, Mustafa Saul, just do something outlandish for us. Do something. Well, you know, I mean, maybe we just do other other headlines that we care about. Of stuff that's not squash related? 
Yeah, I would love to. Do, I'd love to talk about our weekends. How about that? <laughs> I had a I had a friendsgiving a friendsgiving last night for the first time ever. Do you ever hear of, hear of that? I had never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so so like yeah. yeah, like our people from our marina where we keep our boats. They had one of them had a friendsgiving, and I was like, I, I honestly had never heard that term before. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, it was a thing. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, we. I mean, it was. I mean, for as much as 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 hard as sixty year olds uh, could rage, we raged. So there you go. <laughs> So. All right, so maybe other headlines and, uh, and or uh, life topics. All right. Oh, the World Cup. The World Cup's coming up, so we'll be able to talk that, like the, the Soccer World Cup. So look forward to uh, U.S.-England on Black Friday. A big, a, yeah, a big it's a big one. showdown. So. All right, Connor. Thanks. All right, see you, man. All right. Thanks for listening to another show on SQR Squash Radio. We really do appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we have a quick ask. In an effort to help us grow, if you have a quick minute, please consider sharing an episode with a friend who might be interested or leaving a rating on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. It would mean a lot to me and the rest of the team. Thanks so much and have a great day.